0: Hi folks, welcome to the Happysaver.com podcast. Your friends might not want to talk about their journey with money, but I do. I'm Ruth and I'm a blogger on personal finance and in this podcast series I tell the stories of Kiwis and their experiences with the money in their lives. This week I had a chat with Brady who has gone well down the rabbit hole of debt and is busy finding her way back out. She bought not one, not two, but three rental properties in one year in an attempt to set herself up for life. But life has a way of turning you in another direction when you least expect it, and a series of events led her to completely rethink the way she thought about money. Would you like some free money? Sharesies is offering a sign-up bonus of $10 for all Kiwis wanting to start investing. Sharesies is one of the platforms I use to invest in my personal favourite, index funds, and they are a company that has rapidly become a New Zealand success story as they have enabled thousands of people to get involved in share investing, often for the very first time. If you would like to sign up with Sharesies and get $10 into your Sharesies wallet, go to thehappysaver.com forward slash Sharesies and start your investing journey today. I stumbled upon Brady when I found that she was regularly and openly posting about the money in her life on her blog and also on Instagram, and her journey really intrigued me. So I got in touch with her in the hope that she would share her story with me and with you, and thankfully she readily agreed. Now our conversation was free and flowing from the get-go as she is a refreshingly open book about her money. She is openly sharing her very fast-paced journey out of debt with the personal finance community and she uses all of us to keep herself motivated and on track with saving and spending. Living in the house she built in Te Aumutu, which is just south of Hamilton up in the North Island of New Zealand, Brady is a mum to three adult children whose ages are 23, 21 and 18, and a grandma to one extremely adored grandchild. At age 20, she married Paul, and their marriage has just ticked over 26 years, which is pretty awesome. She works full-time as a legal executive, which she trained in via correspondence when her kids were just little, and now she works in the area of property and conveyancing. Paul, he has worked for 21 years at a nearby prison, and he gets a huge amount of satisfaction out of helping inmates learn property maintenance skills, and they use those both while they're in prison and when they get out. As a couple, they are on an epic journey to claw their way out of $566,000 worth of debt, one dollar at a time, but I'll come back to that shortly. Now, on to my questions. One of the first ones is always, is it the height of rudeness to talk about money, and why don't people want to talk about money? Her answer was that she wonders whether talking about money is a bit like talking about religion. It tends to be a subject that people have really strong opinions on and they have a lot of emotion tied to it. And also that it's a bit of a English thing in that it is considered pretty rude and disrespectful to actually talk about money. And before they started on their journey out of debt, her husband Paul would feel very anxious if there were any financial surprises at home. So if Brady mentioned to him that she'd just done a little bit of shopping, as she likes to do, and spent $200, this would cause him anxiety and maybe even would result in an argument. As a result she didn't really stop her spending as such but she stopped talking to Paul about the money she spent instead because she just did not want to upset him and not talking about money became a bit of a problem. Both Brady and Paul have always loved property well before it was cool she tells me. He was a builder and a painter and together they made money by doing up homes and flipping them for a profit. They had such a good success rate that the money they made out of this helped them build their own home. But why just stop at one house? Next they took it up a notch and after joining a property investors group and attending a seminar they jumped in boots and all into the rental property market. The seminar explained very clearly and convincingly how they could use the equity they had in their own home and could then borrow up to 100% if required to buy another property or two or three. They could then pay interest only on those loans because wait for it, in 7-10 to years their properties would double in value. Wow, those are some pretty big claims right there. Borrow 100%, pay interest only, property will double in value, what's not to like? Instead of being alarmed by this, they jumped right on in with both feet and acquired three rental properties in one year. And to finance this large expense, they borrowed the lot, thinking that they were actually doing themselves a favour for the long-term financial future. When I asked her how much they borrowed in total, she admits that they actually never added all of the mortgages up, but they were carrying debt on three rentals and they actually had a mortgage on their own house as well. They bought the three properties in 2007, a time which she tells me was when the housing market was at a peak point, and borrowing the money was not difficult at all, and she does not even think that the banks required any guarantees when they signed up. Because they could not afford a table loan, which is where you pay both the interest on the loan and the principal, they only ever paid interest only. Then, for years, they tended to their rentals and paid the bank month after month. Then, in January 2016, she had what she refers to as an awakening She lost her sister to cancer in December 2015 and was with her in the last month of her life. And the greatest thing her sister wanted to do was to feel comfortable to die and to stand in her truth to do it. As you could imagine, this had a really profound effect on Brady. Then in January 2016, two more pivotal events happened that would prove to be the tipping point. One involved a Buddha and the other a movie night. It was during a shopping trip with her girlfriends in New Plymouth that she dropped 100 bucks on a Buddha statue that she liked. She didn't need it, she just liked it, so on the credit card it went. And when she took it home, let's just say that Paul had a little bit of an issue with what he considered a pointless purchase because he was worried about all the debt they had and apparently she was not. Debt was becoming a sticking point in their relationship. And then, just two weeks later, they were up in Auckland for yet another weekend away, all paid for on the credit cards, of course, and at the very last minute, they grabbed tickets for the movie The Big Short. Now, I've seen this movie, and it had a profound effect on me, And I don't even have a mortgage, so you could possibly imagine that for them to sit through a movie based on the American banking system where they recalled billions of dollars worth of loans that people had on their homes, it struck a bit of a nerve for the two people watching in the crowd who had four mortgages of their own. And that night, the floodgates opened between Brady and Paul and they sat down for the first time and looked in detail at their financial life and it did not make good viewing. Despite paying a lot of money to the bank each month because they were only paying interest they were not actually paying one dollar off their debt. At 45 years of age she had $566,000 of debt, good incomes and yet nothing to show for it. Brady took a long, hard look at herself and her life and asked herself the same question her sister asked, am I standing in my truth? The honest and difficult answer was no. With a flash car, a nice house, rental properties, weekends away, shopping trips, etc, she felt that she was not living an honest life because she had created the illusion of a wealthy life. But it was just an illusion, She was really disappointed with herself because she knew that deep down she was actually really good with money but as the main person who handled the money in their marriage she had strayed off course and she had got herself and her family into a large financial predicament. As they talked Paul who had always been the frugal one in the marriage which Brady says is just as well or she would have spent even more revealed he was actually very worried about the debt they had. Laying it all out on the table was a horrible day, she told me. Learning that Paul had set a small $700 emergency fund aside because he thought they were in trouble was pretty hard for her to hear. But with all their cards on the table, and that's all of them, and the honest communication now flowing between them together, they felt empowered to actually move forward. It was at about this point Brady started communicating with the debt-free community on social media and she started putting her numbers up on Instagram. You can find her at Kiwi Girl on a Budget and she did this as an attempt to make her accountable and to keep her on track. In order to educate herself she turned to books and to the internet to learn how to get themselves back on track. And that strikes me as a pretty ballsy thing to do, putting exact figures of what you have or don't have and what you owe up on a public forum. But as this public accountability grew, she began meeting people online who were actually on the same journey and her posting began to become a place to try to reach someone else so she could help others to make a start on tackling their own financial life. Now the first thing they had to tackle was the rental properties. They had to go and they sold them in 2016. They owned the three properties for the 7 to 10 years talked about in the Property Investors Seminar and when all was said and done none of them doubled in value. Two of them they made no money on and sold them for what they bought them for and in reality they actually lost money due to all of the interest payments they had made And on the third property, they made about $120,000 and Brady said that the relief when they sold the last rental house was unbelievable. I was interested to learn more about the interest-only mortgage that she used because she's not the first person I've heard being stung by one and I wondered who advised her to take it on. Back to that seminar again, they told her it was the best idea and when she took this information to her bank, they agreed. Even her accountant said it was the best thing to do as you could claim back interest in your tax return. They received no advice to the contrary and they didn't know that it could become a problem. Looking back with 2020 vision, she believes that the only people who have done well out of a rental property have had a 20-30% to deposit on each property and a 15-year term to pay off their mortgage. You have to go into it with money to make it work and they just didn't. Added to the financial stress of owning rental property was the stress of working with tenants and the ongoing repairs and maintenance on each house and all of the other associated costs of rates and insurance and accountants and so on and so forth. Today they find themselves with one home, the one that Paul built. And although the number is moving downwards by the day, they currently have $120,000 remaining on their mortgage Having been so far in debt such a short time ago, they have come an extremely long way very quickly, but they have made some fundamental changes to the way they view money along the way and I was really keen to get on with the questions and tease out how they go about things today. Now given the fact that they used to be pretty big spenders, I asked if you were given $10,000 right now, what would you do with it? Brady is deeply in the pay off the mortgage mode and that entire $10,000 would go straight onto the mortgage as a lump sum payment. So that question is a hypothetical one but she actually had the opportunity to pay off this exact sum very recently and it was not as easy as it sounds or as easy as it actually should be. You see, when you sign up to a mortgage, you sign up to terms of lending Lump sum payments were not in their lending terms of their fixed rate mortgage and the bank proved to be very stringent on this. They told Brady and Paul it could not be done and to put that $10,000 on a term deposit until their fixed rate came up for renewal. Now this is where the personal finance community on social media came into its own. A fellow Instagrammer, is that even a word, um, schooled her up on banking law and told her to go to her bank and fight for the ability to make an extra payment. The bank ignored her, so she went straight up the chain to the area manager and requested a partial break so she could pay off a $10,000 lump sum. Thankfully, he emailed back in two minutes and said, yep, that can be done. They did it that very same morning and the bank charged them $80 for the privilege. If she did not know to push back, then she would have just put it all on a term deposit and waited. A win like this gave her confidence, and she wants others to learn from her actions here. Now, everyone has financial habits, whether they realise it or not, so I asked Brady what her three main habits are. Whereas they used to be to go shopping and buy buddhas and things like that, now they are actually quite different. Number one, she has an Excel spreadsheet on her computer with a monthly budget and she looks at it every single day to help keep them on track. Number two, since she has gotten really serious about becoming debt-free, she has developed a new habit of meal planning and now she has a shopping list that she sticks to religiously. And number three, she now uses cash a lot more and only uses an FPOS card if she really, really has to. She gets cash out for the coming month and pays as she goes. And it has been well proven that when you use debit or credit cards, you spend more. So she finds that giving cash over is a lot harder to do. Getting back to basics of using cold hard cash makes you really mindful of what you want to buy and she thinks very carefully before she breaks a lovely fresh new $50 note. From a young age Brady remembered that she loved to budget with her pocket money and she recalls going to a bank at age about 13 to ask for um, the best available interest rate. Having now spoken with a lot of people, I have noticed a common thread in that as children they appear to be quite good with money. They like to earn it and they actually like to save it, but at some point things often go a bit pear-shaped. She said she was passionate about making the correct financial decisions but strayed from that path up until very recently. But now her new approach to money, or another way to look at it, her returning to her money roots means she has a great money elevator pitch now and it is the following. She says, live like no one else now so you can live like no one else later. And I just love this. Um, She is budgeting hard and is frugal now so that when they reach retirement down the track, they can really enjoy their life. And that's um, to be celebrated in my view. Throughout life we each have wins and we have losses and for Brady her biggest financial triumph is the fact that since January 2016 they have paid down $440,000 of debt and that is a remarkable achievement and with each dollar paid off her load is feeling lighter. But the flip side of success is failure, and she feels her greatest financial flop is hands down buying three rental properties on a hundred percent finance, and in the process creating a huge financial burden. They also had a number of credit cards, which they were in a continual cycle of maxing out, paying off, and maxing out again. And having the cards felt like it gave them some security, knowing that if there was an emergency there was always money available. If the card was not maxed out, that is. She is now totally averse to credit cards and hates them with a passion. Today, they use mostly cash, like I mentioned, or they use a debit or FPOS card, which is, of course, relying on the money that you actually have in your very own bank account. In the last couple of years, Brady has taken a lot of time to reflect on the past decisions she has made, so I asked her the question... Brady, if you could retain all of the knowledge you have today regarding money and could go back to your 15-year-old self and start again, what would you do, whether it be the same or something different? The answer, unsurprisingly, was definitely something different. Early in their marriage, they would try and live well within their means, living on only one of their wages, saving the other to try and save a good 20% deposit for one house. They would then have... Only a 15 year mortgage, no credit cards and have a really good emergency fund built up. So how is their debt situation now? They are down to a single mortgage like I said on the home they live in which is now valued at $730,000 and my notes tell me who their lender is and it simply says stuck with Westpac. But I'm actually not sure if she means we have stuck with them because they have supported us or we are stuck with them and I can't change at this point. I suspect it may be the latter. The reason being that they have a fixed interest rate mortgage which is not due for review until December 2018. And she regrets that they did not have a portion of it on a variable interest or floating rate as then she could have hammered it and thrown every spare penny at it. But the mortgage structure was decided on before they had their big night out in Auckland and started to make these changes. Selling the three houses instantly paid back debt, but in order to find the extra money they were going to need to pay off all of their debt quickly, they had to find other ways to make some cash. Like in the USA, car loans are actually very prevalent in New Zealand as well. They had purchased a $20,000 vehicle with a loan and that was one of the first things they sold. They received $15,000 when they sold it and they put that money towards that debt. Now she drives her trusty Toyota Corolla along thinking I paid cash for this and she absolutely loves that feeling. She used to really care what other people thought And she drove a big flash car but now she does not give it a thought to what other people might think about the car she drives. And good on her I say. They are paying back a whopping $3,700 per month on their mortgage and any spare cash is put aside. And their strategy is to keep making partial breaks and paying off lump sums like they did with the $10,000. They will keep getting stung with fees when they do this, but it's actually worth it because of the interest they will save in the long term. Now they are hardcore frugal living, so they can make these beefy payments and currently their end date is August 2019, just before Brady's 49th birthday. And I take my hat off to these two. Just two short years ago, there would be, quite often be disagreements over money and she would regularly have a sinking feeling when reading her credit card statement. Handling money in their house was left to her and it was really stressful and would cause her a lot of concern. But now she sleeps really soundly at night knowing that together they have brought their lives back under control. Now come August 2019 and once they have cleaned up after (laughs) their huge mortgage-free party I suspect they're going to have, what next? So then they will look at investing. Currently they invest about 9.5% of their income into their superannuation funds. She pays 8% and Paul pays 11% into their KiwiSaver funds, which is actually pretty high. And collectively they have about $150,000 in their super funds. She wants to move them from saving 9.5% to 20% of their income and personally I think that with the savings habits that they are demonstrating now that they will absolutely blitz this target. They have also worked really hard to build up an emergency fund so that if they have a major setback such as a job loss they can cover their mortgage and survive until they find work again and this is a really crucially important step to take. They have $15,000 in a term deposit and they know that amount will last them between three and five months. She worries that others don't understand the importance of an emergency fund and are just a paycheck or two away from financial disaster. Another account they have is where they save money for gifts because despite all their frugal ways, Brady is one of those people that loves to buy presents for her family Every month of the year she puts a little aside for this which is a really good example of planning ahead for expenses you know you are going to incur. Now I'm an absolutely terrible present buyer but there are just some people who love to buy gifts and always seem to buy the right ones and I suspect she is that person. So I'm pleased to see she gets to continue doing that and she still gets her shopping fix albeit in a much more controlled way. Another splurge is the very occasional lunch out. They choose lunch because it's always cheaper than dinner out and that's a good little hack right there. They may go out to a movie infrequently and for her last birthday she bought a $90 item of clothing, something that used to be a really regular occurrence but is now a purchase that is made with a lot of thought. At the start of her debt blitzing journey, Brady went through every single expense they had and shaved as much off it as she could. With her insurances, they changed the excess amounts they were paying and the sums they were insured for. They now pay $350 a month for all of their insurances, which includes life cover, cars, house and contents, and their health insurances paid via Paul's job at the prison. Now, with the money they saved, that is being redirected into debt repayments, of course. Like I mentioned, Brady loves buying gifts, but Paul, he loves watching sport. Their Sky TV subscription fee was $120 a month and was the last bill she was working to get rid of. Poor Paul finally agreed to cut Sky because they simply could not afford this luxury anymore if they actually wanted to hit their debt-free deadline – But while on the phone with them to cancel it, he was thrown a lifeline. They had rung to cancel it outright, but in order to keep their business, Sky said they would offer them six months of free sports and then they would pay just $60 per month going forward. So they took up this offer and each of them had a wee win. So Brady saved them some cash and Paul still gets to watch his sports, which makes him a pretty happy husband. Another budgeting tip was to utilise the power usage chart that her power supplier offers her and this made them hyper aware of what was using power around the house and they turn off switches and save power and money as a result. Now this very careful expenditure may have some of you feeling like they are depriving themselves. Life is for living yada yada yada. But the reality is that if you want to get ahead, you simply can't have everything. They tried having everything and look where that got them. My next question was, what was one piece of advice, whether it's good or bad, that your parents taught you about money? And what do you wish they had taught you that you've since worked out yourself? Her dad gave her a budgeting book when she was either seven or eight. And she recalls it was a really little book and it talked in simple terms all about how to budget and it had some neat little tables in it for her to fill out. Now, this would not be every eight year old's idea of a good read, but she loved it and she vividly remembers it setting her on her way to being interested in money. Her parents were never particularly wealthy. Her dad worked in the post office in toll exchange, I had to think for a little minute what a toll exchange might be, and he got made redundant at about age 37, and he didn't really work a full-time job from then on, and he then unfortunately developed an illness and has been sick ever since and unable to work. To make ends meet, she recalls her mum having three jobs, all on minimum wage, in order to keep their heads above water. Her mother worked in admin at a school as a receptionist and also in a garden centre in the weekend. She would come home exhausted and go to bed because she was just so tired from working. Because she was a good saver from a young age, Brady also remembers her mother actually asking her if she could borrow the $100 she had saved so she could buy half a cattle beast and fill up the freezer with meat to feed her family. And I can only imagine how hard that must have been for her mum to have to ask her daughter for that money. And unfortunately this would actually be a conversation which is still unwillingly playing out in households today, perhaps even more than ever. Now it sounds to me that her upbringing gave her the foundations of her financial education. So how much does she engage in her ongoing learning today? She watches a lot of YouTube videos on finance, what a great topic, and in particular she watches Dave Ramsey's Debt Free Screams, now that's screams as an S-C-R-E-A-M-S, where people go on camera and tell their money journey and how they paid off their debt. She finds it really motivating given the journey she is currently on. I have listened to Dave Ramsey being interviewed a few times and I found his rags to riches story pretty fascinating and I'll be going back for more that's sure and I've linked to him in my show notes so you can check him out too. She also loves my blog, thehappysaver.com Yeah, no pressure at all for her to say that and she follows a few people in the debt-free community and also tries to read a motivational book each and every month. Chasing Slow is what she was reading when we spoke. She also enjoys having a look at different mutual funds just to see what companies etc they are made up of and I just love that and now I can see why we hit it off when we spoke as I do the same. Like myself Brady uses social media to keep in touch with a community of people who are really interested in this personal finance malarkey. And she regularly updates her Instagram at KiwiGirl on a budget with her downward moving balance of debt. And she gets really lovely comments, messages, virtual praise and high fives as a result. These comments really inspire her and they make her keep doing what she is doing. She blogs less frequently but when the urge hits her she documents her journey in the hope that others will take inspiration and also try to get themselves out of debt and you can check out her blog at kiwigirlonabudget.com. One day she would love to be in a position to help new people learn how to budget and help them save money and get into basic habits and living on less than they earn. In the meantime, she is providing an excellent education to her adult children and her online community. She believes in celebrating the wins and has booked a weekend in Auckland for the whole family when her debt goes under $100,000. She wants to share with her kids what being on the cusp of financial freedom actually feels like and the next knees up will no doubt be when the debt is dead. I absolutely loved my chat with Brady and of the many things that have stuck with me since our conversation is the concept of living in your truth. She confronted the fact that life as they were living it was not working for them. Now, others may think they should have stuck with the debt because they may have paid it off eventually and could have had three rental properties as a result, But they could not make the numbers work for them so they took the bull by the horns and pulled out because what they could see is that once they pay the mortgage on their house they will be pushing money hard out into investments. They can envisage those investments growing really quickly given how well they've taken to living within their means now. And another great takeaway from our chat was don't settle for anything less from your bank. If you are not getting the answers you need Go up the chain and keep asking questions and keep pushing for answers because that is what will save you money over the length of your mortgage. If you are not happy with your bank just do not hesitate to shop around and change. There are now only rare dinners out and there are certainly no more Buddhas being bought by Brady. They got out Every bill and wrote down who and what they owed and came up with a plan to slash their expenses and sort it all out and from there they have systematically ticked items off their list. They used to squander two incomes each month but now they live off one and push the other towards debt but instead of feeling like they are missing out they now feel completely empowered by what they have because they are back in control of their money. Their money, or lack of, no longer controls them and with every single dollar they pay off, the load is feeling lighter. And the communication in their marriage is now rock solid and also engaging with social media has really helped her find her tribe. They have struck out on a path that is different to most and to stick to it, you really do need support. And if this is a journey you want to take, don't discount reaching out to others that you don't even know yet because this is, after all, How I Met Brady. If you want to engage with a community that has your back then sign up to Instagram, Facebook or a blog that you really relate to and you will find so much support out there to help you on your journey just like Brady and Paul have on theirs. So that's it for me today. Well wow, what a journey they have been on. I was absolutely buzzing after my chat with them. They have changed their life in so many ways and are moving in a much more positive direction. I think there are so many parts of that conversation that you can pull things from and you'll be able to use them in your own journey. So, head to thehappysaver.com to see the show notes from today and a ton of other information all written by me on personal finance and investing in New Zealand. And don't forget to tell your friends where to find me. Until next time, happy saving.